he who dies with the most toys wins. And unfortunately, this sentiment has crept into the culture in which we live today. Our toys, unfortunately, have only gotten more expensive and more elaborate. For some people, our very value in life comes with the next new, bigger, more sophisticated, better it. Whatever it is, whatever it is, that's where our value comes from. I need it, we say. I need the new thing. It'll make life so much better. In John chapter 10, Jesus tells a parable about someone sneaking into the sheepfold. He goes, they come in over the wall and they try to steal and lead astray the sheep. He's like, the sheep should only listen to the voice of the shepherd, Jesus. But there are distractions, he says, that lure us away, that lure the sheep away. And these distractions lead to death. And Jesus tells us in this parable where he's talking about us being distracted by, by Satan or whoever's sneaking in. He goes, I have come to give you life and to give it in abundance, to give you life to the fullest. If you follow the shepherd and you listen to his voice, you will have a better, more fulfilling life. And our vision as a church changed this year, and we desire that you will experience this life of abundance. That's what we want. We, we want you to experience this life of abundance as you learn to become like Jesus. That, that, that's what it's all about. Now, the thing that we've said uh, a lot, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Let me, let me say that again. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, we had this up last week, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. That's why Jesus and the invite from him to come and learn from him is so important to you and I today. That, that was not just to a select crowd of people in that moment. Right? He said it in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. I'm telling you right now. Man, this world is full of people who are laboring. They've got so much stuff going on that are very heavy laden. And he says, I'm going to give you rest. He goes, take my yoke upon you. And he says this, learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And so that's the invite that we present to you every single week. We are focusing our attention on the actions of Jesus. All right, we're just we're we're, we're, we're not exegeting words. We're, we're we're not looking at details of verses and and the meaning behind things. We are simply right now in this series looking at the actions of Jesus, how he did the things he did. And one of the mantras around here is that we cannot separate the method of Jesus 
from the message of Jesus and expect the results that Jesus got. And churches do that all the time. We don't pay attention to his method. We don't pay attention to the how he did the things he did. We just focus on the message. And the message is important. It's certainly part of the equation. But we have to look at how Jesus lived his life, how Jesus did ministry. And so that's what we're doing. And when we focus on that three-year window, there are a few details that we learn. We talked about this last week. He lived in relationship, didn't he? And you look at what he did. He lived in relationship. He sought relationships out. He went to people. He didn't go teach in the temple to start his ministry. He went and taught by the seashore. And he gathered people. And you have to get close to people if you're going to get if you're going to be used to change people. And it's great and wonderful when I live that out in my little home. You know, with just, just the Sykes's. It's, it's great and wonderful. But, but Jesus lived it out beyond that. He lived it out with more than just family. And he continued to seek people out. And so this week, we're talking about the simple life. We're going to build on this. So last week, we know that Jesus, looking at his actions, he lived in a relationship. This week, Jesus lived a simple life. Jesus lived on mission. The main thing was always the main thing. And there was not a 9 to 5 or 7 to 5 or whatever hours you work. There, there wasn't you know, vacation time. There weren't hobbies. There, there, there weren't extracurricular activities. Jesus lived a very simple life. And the simplicity of life, here's pay attention to this, the, simpli the simplicity of his life eliminated distractions that kept him from fulfilling his purpose. What about you, church? Do you have a life full of distractions that hinder you from fulfilling the command of carrying out Jesus' mission? Do you have a life full of distractions that hinder you from fulfilling the command of carrying out Jesus' distraction, carrying out Jesus' mission? In the Western world, there are two main factors that distract us from being like Jesus. Right? Carrying out his mission on a more consistent basis. That, that's our goal. That's what we want. But there's two main factors that get in the way of that. Our time and our possessions. The devil is using our schedules and our wallet as distractions to lead us astray from the voice of the shepherd that says, I have come to give you life in abundance. There's a French sociologist, Jean something something, I'm not even going to attempt it. And he made this point just a few years back. He says, in the Western world, materialism has become the new dominant system of meaning. He argues that atheism hasn't replaced cultural Christianity. Shopping. We now, we now get our meaning in life from what we consume. The truth about it is most every single person in this room has more than they need. Keyword, need. 
Most every single person in this room has more than they need to live life. But yet we crave more. I love the Mark Twain quote. I saw this on Twitter several months back. Civilization is the limitless multiplication of unnecessary necessities. He says that's what, that's what we've become. He's like, civilization is the limitless multiplication of unnecessary necessities. Now, here's the thing. I'm, this confession time. I'm not, I'm not calling anyone out. This message is an internal struggle. There's conviction for me and my life. But many Christians have turned a blind eye to consumerism and the material life that we want to live. So know that right now I'm preaching to me. Alright? I mean, it, it, it hits me every month. I'm paying insurance on six vehicles for three drivers. My mind justifies buying me. Y'all know my love for DeWalt tools. My mind justifies buying the 60-volt DeWalt circular saw because the circular saw that I have with a cord is a nuisance. You know? And I do it. I'm like, well, you know what? Man, if I, if I had this saw over here, I, I could use it on the back side of the camp property, you know, when I'm, you know, cutting that one piece of wood for the bench that we need to build. I, I, that's good enough. I need to buy it. I needed the new DeWalt electric weed eater because the gas-powered steel one that I have that I got the same year Griffin was born uh, was old. Now, it still works. It gets the job done fine. I just, I, I needed a new one. I needed one that was more efficient, one that was quicker. You know, that carburetor gets clogged up in the off-season. That electric, man, you put that battery in, you just go up there and you crank it. And then when you sit here, you know, I was up here the other day with Stacy and Jeff cutting grass, and, and, and Perry was up here, you know, and Perry just wanted, wanted to talk. He just came up, and, and, and if I'd had that gas powered, I could have just revved it up all the more, and Perry wouldn't have been able to talk. But, but since I had that electric one, I just stood there and, 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 and listened, listened to Perry. Right? And how about this? How about this? This is the selling point. That electric weeder came with a pole saw attachment. But let me tell you. You know, it's a, it's a game changer because, you know, I'm 47 years old and all of a sudden I want to cut low limbs off. I've, I've never needed to do it before, but I never had a pole saw to do it. And now that I have a pole saw, I can just go cut limbs at 15 feet. You know, so, I mean, look, that, that, and that's the game. That's the very game we play. We justify our purchases as necessities that it's going to make life better. But from whose vantage point? From the world? Because that DeWalt commercial can really sell you on some DeWalt tools, I'm telling you. Or from Jesus' vantage point. And the promise of Jesus is that His way of doing things leads to an abundant life. And He lived a simple life focused on His mission. And it's a mission that you and I share. His possessions consisted of the items needed for survival. Food and clothing. He didn't even worry about shelter. That, that, that those were his possessions. Food and clothing. Because here's the thing, Jesus knows the dangers of having stuff. <laughs> There's a parable that he tells about 
a farmer scattering seed and the seed goes in four different places, right? Listen to this one, Mark chapter 4, as he's explaining it. This is where some of the seed. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, church, Americans. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Church, are you distracted by the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things? It's deceitful. And these things choking out the instruction of the word in your life, are you distracted by these things? The lure of riches and desires for other things is based on lies. And here's the tragic thing for you and I, they've always been part of our life. The, 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 the desire for things, the cravings for more, have always been part of our life. 1 John 2.15 warns us, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. There is an attack on our culture to love the things of this world. I encourage you, study the history of consumerism in our country. Go back to the early 1900s and study consumerism for the past century. A little over a century ago, we were a, we were a nation mostly made up of family farms. You bought what you needed to survive. And you only splurged on luxury. When? Christmas. Everything else, and you've heard the stories from your grandparents, they had, you know, they had their Sunday shoes, and then they had their every other day shoes, and they had their Sunday dress, and they had their every other day dress. There's one or two things. They didn't have a lot. Paul Mazur of the Lehman Brothers said this, we must shift America from a needs to a desire culture. People must be trained to desire to want new things even before the old have been entirely consumed. We must shape a new mentality. Man's desires must overshadow his needs. 1927. 1924. A book called Manpower in Industry. E.S. E. S. Caldrick, a pioneer of industrial relations, said, The new economic gospel of consumption is a must. Coming out of the Great Depression, advertising changed. Celebrities started to appear in marketing campaigns explaining how whatever the product was they're selling was changing their life for the better. 
And our country has been pursuing wants and desires ever since. And it's just ingrained in our DNA. And we think nothing about it. And the author of Hebrew warns, chapter 12, he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Notice what the author says here. There is sin that as Christians, as followers, we need, to, we need to remove the sin. We need to set that aside because that sin clings to us and it, and it slows us down from running the race with any type of endurance. But there's also something else that does it. There's this weight. There, there, there's, this, there's this other thing, every weight, that slows you and I down from being able to run the race with endurance. And in our culture, the weight are the distractions in life, our overextended schedules and our extensive possessions. There are weights that slow us down. And we just press on through life like it's no big deal. I told you all about the book last week, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's a simple book. I encourage you to check it out. Uh, in that book, uh, Comer makes this point. Every single thing you buy costs you not only money, but time. I got to thinking about that. And I've, and I've tried to, to process that out. And I justify things by saying, well, actually, you know, this, this particular product, electric weed eater, actually saves me time. And if I had the, you know, the 9 amp hour battery instead of the 5 amp hour battery, it, it would actually last longer and I could actually do more. Therefore, I'm more efficient. I mean, I've, I've tried to process this out, but, but I cannot find anything that I've ever purchased that also does not cost me time. Now, not every single thing purchased is evil, okay? And I also do believe that some things can be used for good. I think they can be used in relationships. But the things we purchase will consume our time. And some more than others, obviously. And the number one reason people say to me that they cannot invest in a relationship with God, the number one reason is time. I, I get it all the time. When, when I'm following up with people and I'm asking about their personal quiet time with God, You've been spending time with God. You've been you've been doing your soap. You've been you've been doing you've been you know how are you doing this? And, you, man, and the confession comes. I appreciate the transparency, honestly, man. I just haven't been able to do it. Why not? I don't have enough time. I'm too busy. When you think about the possessions in your life. Everything that you've purchased requires a certain amount of time. Got that new TV? I mean, it is college football season. So I understand. Right? And we've got to get it broke in. i got that new TV. Got it mounted up there above the fireplace like I like it. Stayed up late watching a really good movie. It was a great movie, actually. Oh, oh well, I didn't have TV, so I, I watched YouTube or whatever on my gadget. Or I was on social media for, oh, golly, I just killed 45 minutes. And eh, 
I got to bed late. So because I got to bed late, now my morning is hectic because, you know, I got to bed late and I'm tired. Or I hit the snooze button three times and, and now, I'm, I'm, now I'm, I'm, I'm rushed. And so, so now I'm, I'm sacrificing my quality time with God. So I, don't, I can't just have my alone time with God over here. So I, I tell you what I'll do. I'll listen to the Bible on the way to work in the car. So now we're multitasking. We're trying to listen to some wholesome Christian music to get our day started right. And we're, we're trying to listen to our, our audio Bible. The guys over here are splitting time with me. Splitting time with me. And something else. So how do we respond to that? Well, I'm going to let Jesus tell you how to respond. Okay? Because I found out he's much better at it than I am. So go ahead and get your communion packets out. <clears throat> open them up. We'll take this together in just a moment. You want to open your bread portion first, upright, and then flip it over and make sure you get the juice. It's tragic if you do it the other way around. How do, how do we respond? <clears throat> Now I want you to think about a conversation that Jesus had. Right? I mean, Jesus just minds his own business. He's doing his thing and somebody comes up to him and, and engages conversation. And, and the rich guy that came to him said, Hey, Jesus, I, I want to know one thing. How do I get in church? How, how do I inherit eternal life? That's what I want to know. No big deal. Right? Nothing. Just eternity. I want to inherit eternal life. What do I got to do? And so Jesus engages, you know, hey, you call me good, and they, they, they talk about that, right? And then Jesus throws out some commands. John, are your mom and dad? Right? You haven't killed anybody yet, have you? Committed adultery? Oh, yeah? You, did you, you remember the Sabbath? You know, that's a big one around here with all the Pharisees, right? And, 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 and the, the guy, the, the rich guy goes, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was just a young lad. And it says that Jesus felt genuine love for him. He goes, because there's still one thing. Go tithe. Go give 10% of everything. This is the word. Go and sell the possessions. It wasn't about giving out of the deep pockets that you got. It wasn't about reaching in and hey, I'm gonna be generous with my 401k and you know I'm gonna. It wasn't, it wasn't about I'm gonna donate my bonus that I got. Go and sell your possessions. And you just give the money to the poor. You don't have to come and give it to us. Just, just give the money. The poor, and then you're gonna have treasure in heaven. And then he said, This after you sell everything, come follow me. And at this, the man's face fell. He left dejected, he left sad because he had many possessions.
I wonder if he had more than me. Jesus then looked around at the disciples as the guy was walking away. He said, you know, it's hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And this amazed them. They were like, uh, what do you mean? He goes, yeah. And then he gives this elaborate you know, illustration. Hey, it's actually easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle, and that's part of the temple and everything, than it is for a rich person to enter into the kingdom. And, and so then the disciples were like, uh, wait a minute now. Then who can be saved? Of course, Jesus, like humanly speaking, none of you. But with God, all things are possible. And then Peter. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk Peter, right? Peter, Peter, Peter's going to talk, right? And he's made this, we've given up everything to follow you. We've given up being with our family every single night. We've given up the family business. We, we've, we've given up the comforts of a roof over our head. We have sacrificed all of this to follow you. And Jesus is like, yes, you have. And I assure you, Jesus says, that everyone who has given up possessions, house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, property, Anyone who has given this up for my sake and the gospel is going to receive a hundred times more. In the world to come, that person will have eternal life. So what did Jesus say? If it's true that our possessions take time, and time is what we don't have in investing and carrying out the mission of God, we are in the same place as this rich young ruler who is going through all the motions. I go to temple, I give some money, I'm generous, I, I, I participate, I serve, I do these things, but what do I need to get for eternal life? What has to happen? Because I've been checking all the boxes over here. Sell your possessions And so church, as we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and I this morning, as He hung there on the cross, my challenge to you as part of the response is, is this. Commit yourself right now to examining your life. Are you and I, are we being lured away by the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for possessions? And then you act as Jesus commanded. So he sat around with his disciples and he broke bread. And he passed it. And he said, this is my body. This is a sacrifice. For you take it and eat. And then he poured some wine into a chalice and Blessed it and said, this is the blood that comes from my body. It washes away our sins. Take this and make together. God, we thank you for the sacrifice that was made on the cross for our sins. 
We thank you for the opportunity to have forgiveness. We thank you for your steadfast love and the grace that you have shown to every single one of us. Father, I pray that we we don't take it lightly. I pray that we are not being lured away by the deceitfulness of riches and possessions. What is it to gain the whole world but yet lose our soul? God, I pray that we can move towards an abundant life that Jesus promises as we embrace a simple life. God, I know I'm struggling with it. I pray that I can be on a journey and be an example for others. Help me to get over the justifying the needs and the wants of things. Help me to keep the main thing, the main thing that is carrying out the mission of Jesus to make disciples, to make disciples, to make disciples. Love you, God.